Welcome to the Audiobook Loving Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks, the narrators that perform them, and the authors that write the stories, including a special series with narrator Shane East. The Audiobook Loving Podcast is brought to you by Viviana in Chapters of Books. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 17 of the Audiobook Loving Podcast. I'm so excited to have narrator Erin Mallon with us today. Welcome back, Erin. Hi. How's it going? So far, so good. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Keeping the sanity? <laughs> yeah. So keeping it really sane, actually. I'm very proud of my household. Um, you know, having to stay in is is not that much of a hardship, especially <laughs> since, I, since I work from home primarily anyway. Um, mm-hmm. I feel very, very lucky to have the job I have right now. I'll tell you that. Um, yeah, and we're staying healthy, so that's what matters. Not making anyone else unhealthy. True, so, and that's yeah. really the whole key is to, to get this done. Yes. Um, for those that may not know or remember, um, you were actually a guest and for the Audible Loving um, series back in June of 2018, yeah. which is we did the interview and got all the, the goodies and the details on how you process things and how you go about selecting voices. So I will uh, include the link to that interview. Uh, within the post today so people can go check it out if they haven't or if they want to listen to it again as a refresher and then last year you were also a guest sharing your top five reasons why you love being a narrator so I'll include that link too Um, so today we're just going to be catching up and talking about this project that I am excited about and just again just catching up (laughs) so you mentioned um, the whole working from home yeah I know that there's many of us that have not done that before or to this extent, I mean, sometimes a day here, a day there, but not this consistently. With you being a narrator, um, do you have any, you know, tips or tricks for, you know, your listeners that are not working from home you can share? Uh, yeah. Um, well, I think the, most of the tips that I would have um, have to do with getting work done where the, when there's small children in your home, um, because that has been the challenge for me. Um, having the kids home from school has kind of exacerbated that Um, because I, you know, your sound booths for our prime, they're like sound treated. um, And the really, really, really good ones are soundproof, but most of us have situations where sound will bleed in. So one of my things is if you happen to be a morning person or you can encourage yourself to be a morning person, um, I highly recommend it. I am, I've been getting up a lot lately especially during this time being home and um, getting up at like 5 a.m. and um, warming up my voice and drinking something warm and stretching a little bit and then getting into the booth and um, narrating from like 5.30 to 8.30 in the morning. So by the time my family wakes up, I have some solid work done and um, I can kind of relax into the day more and then I'll do another session in the afternoon. But I know I already have some work under my belt. So my brain can relax throughout the day. So I think if you can get big things done in the beginning of the day, you stress less throughout the day um, and you're easier on yourself and kinder to yourself. But not everyone can be a morning person. Um, But I am not the kind of person that can work late into the night. Um, I just don't operate that way. So, Yeah, I'm the girl that can do both. So I've tried to not burn the candle on both ends and then in the middle um, throughout this. Um, but even before all this, it's just one of those where trying to find that balance, but I love that idea about waking up earlier and getting a chunk done of work, because I know that I sometimes stress out about this to-do list that just keeps growing. Yeah. Um, it never ends. It's yeah. never going to be fully checked off. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. to be able to check off a few things always feels so good. Yeah. And there, there's, um, there's a book out there. I'm going to get it wrong. I think it's called eat, eat the big frog first or eat. And I don't know why you're eating frogs at all, but it's like, <laughs> but basically saying so many of us, if we have a big to-do list for the day, we tackle all the little things that we know we can get done quickly because it feels good to see all those check marks go through your list. But what you really want to do is tackle the big thing first. That's going to require the most out of you um, because that'll help you move forward. And then you check off all that little stuff. Because that little stuff is tempting, um, but you want to get the big stuff done first. True. 
I know that many um, of us that use the to-do list as our balance of checkpoints and stuff that it, it's true. The more checks I see, I'm like, I'm being accomplished, but right. they're the minor ones. And that's why I'm going and doing so well. And yeah. then by the time that the big thing has to happen, I's tired <laughs> yeah. or the dogs are barking or right? something mean happens and I have to, you know, clean up something and I'm like, ugh. And then yeah. the stress comes into play. So. And then usually for me, that big thing, then it goes to tomorrow's to-do list. And then maybe even the next day's list. And then, um, you know, something I, I might get a little woo-woo on you, but you asked for tips. Something I do that helps me is um, you can often, you can start to feel like resentful about the things you need to get done when you're the one making your own schedule. So instead of saying to myself, I have to do this, or I should do this, saying I get to do this. Because when I look around at my life, everything that I have to do is stuff I love to do. And that makes me feel very lucky. I want to narrate books. I want to write plays. I want to be a good mother. These are, I don't want to let any of those go or do less than my best on any one of those. So why would I ever say, oh, I have to do X, Y, or Z. I get to. Um, and when I remember that, I feel grateful and I can do better work. No, that's fantastic. I know that the, it's just a changing of the one word. It's also changing the mindset. And it, there's been other instances where I've had to do that. And I'm, it's, it's really helpful to get that concept of looking at things differently. And instead of having it be a negative, how it be, you know, turning it into a positive that you, yeah. you just, just by doing that, the energy just shifts a bit. Totally. Um, yeah. And so you kind of get to do all things in a more like how oh, that's right. Um, I think someone asked me the other day about all this work from home thing and, and they looked at me and I'm like, you're really giddy, you know, like you're excited <laughs> about it. And I'm like, Dude, you just don't understand. I get to do like listen to audiobooks and I get to talk to my narrator friends and I do all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, wow, you actually like what you're doing. And I'm like, that's how it should be. But I know not everybody has that luxury or, you know, perk. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something that um, just changing that mindset. I've even started doing that with a day job um, a bit. Because um, so <laughs> sure. I still have a day job. Um, but yeah, it's definitely just changing that mindset has helped a bunch just on a, just for me thing. Not anybody else, just for me. Yeah. Any other tips, ideas, suggestions? Mm, get enough sleep. I don't know. You hear, you hear some people say, um, like, you know, you only need four hours or something. I have not found that to be true for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get like seven. Um, and I don't always get that because my, my daughter will wake me up in the middle of the night and stuff. But um, yeah. I don't know, get sleep, hydrate, be nice to yourself as much as you can, especially right now. And like, we're all so hard on ourselves way too often. So I think the more, it, treat yourself the way you would like treat you. Okay, well here, I, I can go super woo woo on you. Um, I actually wrote this into a play once. Um, if you get a picture of yourself as a baby, like the youngest you can go, the cutest picture you can find, like the most innocent and keep that in a prominent place, like on your refrigerator or on your desk or something. And look at that picture of that little baby. That's you has always been you, but you look quite different now. And imagine saying and doing the kinds of things you say and do to yourself to that baby. Um, and it's really hard to do because you just look at that, your own face and you just feel love and you want to protect that little baby, but you are that person still. So that's, that's something if I really need to get on my own side, I'll, I'll look at that picture again. Um, and that does something to me. No. Yeah. That is another thing too. It's like, especially when it's a cute baby picture, you're like, Oh, you're so good. <laughs> well, it's hard because you can look and you can see, wow, those are my hands. They still look like my hands. They're just stretched out now. And mm -hmm. yep, that's my nose. Like it's, it's, I saw a picture of my husband once as a, a toddler walking around with a diaper and it had this weird feeling. Cause I'm like, weird. That is his body. It just completely <laughs> manified now. <laughs> like it was just, it was a really weird feeling. 
Yeah. Um, I love finding those baby pictures of my brother who's younger than I am by two years. Um, but he's like six for three tattoos, you know, bodies and stuff. I yeah. love finding baby pictures of him because he was so silly as a kid. Aww. And so I'll text it to him and he's like, damn, that's different. I'm like, yeah. I go, can I put it on Facebook? And he's like, you better not. <laughs> I love that stuff. Yeah. But it's super, that's a, a great example about how we need to be nice to ourselves, not just everybody else as well, but also to ourselves. Oh yeah. 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 So you brought up the playwrights and how you write plays. Um, yeah. So not only are you a narrator, but you're also an active playwriter. It's true. Yeah. It's how long have you been doing that? I think I wrote for a long time. I was writing kind of privately. I have always been a big journaler. So most mornings I'll get up and, um, write a few pages, just like brain drain from myself. And I'd been doing that for years. And then suddenly characters started to show up and ideas and brainstorms for stories. Um, and so I think, I think I wrote my first full length play in 2012. And that, that play was first produced in 2014. Um, so that was like my first professional experience as a writer. And then, um, at the time I was on stage a lot. I was, um, I was just starting to narrate and I was also, I'd been in theater since I was a teenager. Um, and I remember when my play premiered that I wrote, I was like sitting in the back row watching it happen. And I write primarily comedy and um, seeing all these people enjoy it and laugh. And they had no idea that I was the one that wrote it. I was just sitting in the back. So it wasn't like I was getting any kind of um, like accolades or people complimenting me, nothing. I was just anonymous in the back row. And I realized I was blissed out. I was so happy. I never imagined that I could be as happy sitting in the dark, watching other people perform something I wrote as happy as like when I had been on stage myself. And then the feeling started to surpass being on stage. So um, I started to let go of auditioning for plays because I was getting all my performing needs met narrating every day where I get to play every single character in the book. Um, and so I turned all my theater attention to writing. And so how many plays have you written so far? Mm, I think I've written, I think like 11 or 12 full length plays and it probably between 40 and 50 short plays, like 10 minute plays and little one acts and stuff. So uh, a lot, uh, yeah. So what's the process like when it comes down to you? So you wrote the play uh -huh. and do you, when it comes down to having it done, like for it to be performed, do you have to do specific things like rent the theater? You know, how does that process work? Because obviously not everybody's doing it. Right. Know? Well, it's, it's pretty nebulous. It's not like you write a play and then there's this clear path to getting it in front of people. Um, a lot of times what you'll do is you'll, you'll write the play and um, I like to get actors to come over to my house or we go to a studio space and I get everyone wine and food and snacks and have them read the play to me. Plays are, yes, yeah, they're literature, but they're, they've always been meant to be breathed life into and to be visual and in the theater. So, um, you don't really know what you have until you hear actually human beings um, putting putting energy behind it and doing them out loud. So I usually do that to start workshopping it. And then you send them around to theaters. You send them to different play development opportunities. Um, sometimes that will lead to someone wanting to do a production. Um, sometimes it won't. Um, and then self-producing is a great thing to do too. Uh, when certainly when you're getting started, um, but every once in a while I'll have something like I wrote a, a one woman play a couple years ago called Bible Adventure Park, and it's about um, we live in Florida, right? I do. Where in Florida are you? Orlando. Are you? Okay, so are you close to um, uh, what I'm forgetting because I'm thinking of the name that I used in my play, but I think the real park's name is the the Holy Land Experience. Yes, yes, it is. Okay, so <laughs> Kind of based this one woman play around that kind of biblical theme park. And she's a 17 year old um, tour guide at this biblical amusement park, but she's also completely losing her faith the whole time she's there. Um, and it's kind of like a Rocky horror picture show 
type experience where we have baskets under the seats and you get to stone her and you get to like part the Red Sea. Um, you get to spray people with holy water and baptize people. It's, I grew up very, 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 very Catholic and um, <laughs> no longer practicing. So I had, I had a lot to say and do. That felt like the right thing to self-produce. Um, so I did that a couple years ago. But um, I had a whole bunch of productions lined up and now they're all on pause. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> just, just what we're dealing with right now. Yeah. Um, speaking of those productions, I recently had the pleasure of watching one of your plays that you wrote called um, These Walls Can Talk. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So um, I run this project called The Brooklyn Generator with um, a fellow playwright. And um, we write plays in less than 30 days, the first drafts anyway. And um, so I always know each year I know that I'm going to write a new play in January. I usually end up writing like two full length plays a year, but I always know I'm going to write at least one in January. And so I'd been walking around with this idea for a while that I wanted, I wanted to write about the world that I'm in every day and that you're in and all these wonderful listeners are in um, the romance audiobook community. Um, and uh, I just, I've had so many listeners reach out over the years saying lovely things about how listening to these books has helped them with their communication with their partners and it's helped them with intimacy and it's opened them up in ways that they didn't expect. Um, so between all of that kind of feedback that I got from people through observing the way oral fixation works and the way listeners crave certain narrators and experiences. Um, and then even thinking about my own relationships um, and how the work has op opened me up. I wanted to write a play about it. So um, I dove in really quickly, wrote it in about 24 days. And um, now I have a script and I can keep making it better. So when all this stuff started happening with us, everyone being quarantined, um, I was talking to a friend about what we might be able to do to lift people's spirits. And I thought, well, maybe this would be a fun time to share this. I'm looking for theaters that I can do it in and I might be adapting it into um, a series and writing a pilot that will pitch around to TV people, which I think would be really great. Um, but in the meantime, I just want to share it with people. So cast some of my narrator buddies. Um, we dove in with no rehearsal and they were all just great. And it was a really, really fun thing to share with everybody. Yeah, so you guys um, recorded it. Um, and so it was almost like Brady Bunch style. Yeah. <laughs> For, hopefully I'm not dating myself. <laughs> I think one the Brady Bunch. Yeah. I was like, I saw it on reruns, I swear. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, with technology nowadays, it was, you know, a, a perk that we were able to do stuff like that. So you did it where all the narrators were, you know, on screen, with the exception of uh, Mr. Joe Arden. Yeah. Which we use a photo. But it was just still that whole process. So it was, for me, it was just great watching it because the story itself was phenomenal, but you guys reacting to each other. So that was like the first time any one of them had read it or have they had it before? Them, like, I asked it? them all to read it um, alone at home just to prepare and then um, write me or call me if they had any questions. Uh, but yeah, that was that was the first time we read it out loud together. And, you know, we're all so used to prepping things very quickly and just diving in and bringing as much life and love to something as we can. So I knew they'd be great, but it was, um, it was really cool just to watch it unfold. And like, I, you may have seen at one point, I actually cried. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you feel, you feel funny, like crying at your own play, but I was crying because they were just cracking me up. And, um, and it's also just like such a lovely feeling to, to write something and see great people bring themselves to it. Like I'll never get over how exciting that is. Well, yeah. That's, you know, from a, from a viewer's perspective, I just love the, the energy that they were all bringing into it and how they were performing it. And also just kind of seeing a little bit of the, like, the behind the scenes of how you guys would probably <laughs> look a bit when it comes down to narrating. Um, mm. Because it's, you know, you imagine you guys behind the booth almost sitting like robotic to some extent because of the noise. But to, to see, like, I noticed Shane talks a lot with his hands. Um, so. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> you know, and then Teddy moments where he was trying to be serious. He was just really holding it together, but, but barely, yeah. um, or even Andy, how professional she was. And it's just like, wow, she carries herself a specific way, but still hits those yeah. funny notes. Um, well, you know, I don't, I don't know how much they took this in or not, but I did write to them in an email as I was giving them some tips and stuff um, and sharing the script with them. I said, I want it to feel kind of like narrators unleashed, <laughs> like narrators in the wild. Because <laughs> when you, when you are in the booth, there are so many technical factors at play. You can't wear certain kinds of fabrics because it makes noise. You can't sit on a certain thing because it squeaks. You've got to make sure that your mouth is perfectly hydrated so you don't make mouth noise and irritate the listener. Um, there's You make sure that your breathing is an okay, you're breathing okay so that's not distracting anyone. So there's so many things because those microphones are so powerful and you're in someone's earbuds. So it's extremely intimate. All that th All that stuff is in your mind as you're trying to be extremely present and alive and in the story. So for this, I wanted to be able to just forget all that. Um, and so I said, you can't be too big. You can't be too loud. You can't be too weird. So just do whatever the hell you want and you can't go wrong. And um, I feel like they all really did that, which is great. Let's go over the cast. We had Vera. Yes. So Vera, so some people say that each play needs a central uh, character. And I, I agree, but I'm also trying to write plays that are very ensemble based. So I'm trying to write something that's everyone's story. If I had to choose the person whose journey the play is most focused on, I'd probably say her. She, um, she is a, she's married to Cameron. You can tell from the beginning that they're having trouble in their marriage, just not connecting in the way they used to. And she gets very, very involved in listening to a particular male narrator in romance audio. Um, and it awakens something in her, but it's that awakening is also causing problems between her and her husband. And Vera was played by Andy Arndt. Yes. And you mentioned Cameron. Cameron. Yes. So he is married to Vera and he, um, he is a writer and he, a self-proclaimed serious writer. He says he has them, um, a real aversion to romance and in particular he listening to romance he doesn't think it counts <laughs> and this is something you hear people talk about all the time um just the kind of the snobbery that people have first of all against romance and then saying like well it doesn't count you're not actually reading mm -hmm. um i know that drives a lot of us crazy yep. so yeah, so to be married to that, I, I think would be frustrating for Vera. Um, and he has quite a journey in the play too, because he has to figure out how to reconnect to his wife and actually hear the things that she's trying to say to him instead of just coming at her with defensiveness. Yeah, and so he is played by Shane East. Yes, he was. Then we have um, Jennifer. Yes, Jennifer is a brand new female narrator in the play. It is her very first book. So when you first see her, she's auditioning for the first time. Um, you see her with the male engineer um, that's auditioning her and he's given her kind of a hard time. Um, Jennifer is kind of my way of, of showing the female narrator experience, which I will never complain. I love my job so much and people have been very kind to me. We have a different experience in the world of romance audio than the men do. Um, so I really wanted to show that the good and the bad and the tricky. So um, she's kind of my way to do that. Mm -hmm. And she was played by Emma Wilder. Yes. And then we had Atticus. Yeah. The most successful romance narrator of all time. That's Atticus. Um, he was played by Joe Arden in our Zoom production. And uh, he's a guy, he's, um, when you first meet him, you think he is just total uh, bluster and um, obsession with himself. And those things are true, but um, there's deeper stuff inside him that makes him 
go that way. Mm -hmm. There's a softer side of him. Yeah. Yeah. Funny when I saw the name, I'm like, yeah, it's the name of my puppy. Um, Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. Good name. And then we have Neil. Yes. Neil is um, an audio engineer. Um, I've worked with so many engineers over the years and they tend to be really fascinating people. Uh, They tend to have a lot of different skills. A lot of engineers come from music, um, either as performers or um, recording bands, and just you need a a lot of knowledge and skills. And then when you get into audiobooks, then it opens up this whole literary world that usually goes on top of the music, the musical world that they come from. Um, so a lot of people have been very sweet in writing about the monologue that he has, where he just, he goes on a rant about all the skills that he has and how no one pays attention mm-hmm. because the narrators get all the quote unquote glory. Um, and, uh, so he's, he's a bit, uh, he starts out a bit angry in the play, a bit mm-hmm. feeling like he's not seen. Um, but then you learn how deeply in love he is with the romance genre, which was fun to write. Um, kind of a, kind of just like a big brassy kind of guy who's actually just totally soft on the inside and loves love. <laughs> yeah. And that was Teddy, Teddy Hampton played him. Yes. Um, yeah, he was great to to watch, and I think his character was one that was like you kind of like a little bit like we all know that guy or someone yeah. like that <laughs> in our lives. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. He calls himself a recovering misogynist. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then from a cat perspective, last we had Georgia. Yes, Georgia is um, our romance author. Um, you first meet her in a coffee shop where she's trying to get the best writing seat in Starbucks. Well, it's not a Starbucks. It's, it's an independent coffee shop that I didn't quite give a name. Um, and, uh, she, she's a, she's a romance author that doesn't believe that people can actually be in love. Um, she's had a rough past with her husband, her ex-husband. Well, he died. Um, and, uh, she's, kind of looking for love, but she doesn't quite believe that it's possible. Um, and when she's called on that, Cameron says to her in the coffee shop, um, but you write romance. And she's like, right, that means I write fiction. She doesn't believe it's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, she's Southern and sassy and fun. Yeah, she was fun. She was said by Amy Dawes. Yeah. Not a narrator. <laughs> oh, she did great. She did. Yeah. I kind of just, you. I reached out to her because I've, I've narrated a bunch of her books and it's always just nonstop joy narrating for her. So I feel like the kind of comedy that she writes, I feel like she would totally get this. Um, and she's one of those rare authors that's just hundred percent extroverted and just so, so herself on social media, you can just feel it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, she kind of, I did, I, I don't remember if she, I ran it by her that I'd written this play and that I wanted to take it to author conferences. That's what I was thinking at first. And uh, I don't remember if I actually got to ask her to do it first or if she kind of jokingly said, well, cast me. It was sort of happened at the same time. We had like the exact same idea. Um, so I'm psyched that she wanted to do it and had so much fun with it. Yeah, I love her level of energy and she's always so, like you can see it come like through the screen, how positive and how, you know, yeah. she's really into it and she's sharing part of herself. And so it was perfect for this character who seemed to yeah. have a similar energy as well. Yeah. Um, and then you had the role of the stage director. Uh, yeah, I did stage direction. So in theater, when you're doing a, um, a reading, it, that usually means that there's very little rehearsal and you don't have the time or um, the the stage, This you don't have a set yet, so you can't quite do the physical things and you have a script in your hands. So you, for a reading in theater, you always have someone do the stage directions, which is just giving you the physical things that would be happening if this were fully staged and we were memorized and we were in costume on a set. So um, that's that's just what I did to, 
to support the evening and give you the visuals we couldn't bring you over the screen. Yeah, it, it really helped as far as kind of like imagining them walking off or, you know, what it looked like or what they were looking at and stuff like that. So that was really helpful. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned yeah. that you were casting your friends for these roles, but how did you go about selecting the narrators for each of these characters? Uh, it was pretty easy. Um, I, Andy Arndt had actually come up to New York um, to work on the first draft with me. Um, I initially, I wanted to cast all theater people that were not in this business because I, for, for the reading that I did in New York City, because I wanted, I wanted to cast people that weren't coming to it with any kind of preconceived notion of what it is to be good or what your voice should sound like. I just wanted them to come to it in sort of an innocent way. So um, I told Andy that I, um, I had cast all the main roles, but um, she said she'd be willing to do stage direction. So what I did the other night, so she came up and, and um, she did stage directions for us, which was great. She, you know, one of the best romance narrators narrated my romance play. So it was awesome. Um, so when I was going to do this, I wanted to give her the opportunity if she wanted to play one of the main roles. So um, that's what we did. And um, Emma Wilder is a good friend and we've been chatting about this for a while. So that just felt natural asking her to do that. Um, Amy Dawes, I just had a beautiful brainstorm. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to work with a lot of different guys um, in romance. And I just had a sense of where each one of these three would fit really well. Um, but I didn't realize how well, like... Uh, mm -hmm. I knew Teddy would be great, but he surprised me. Like he, he dove, I was like, Oh, he's like, he's balls to the wall. He's just going. It yeah. was exciting. Um, because, you know, we all do our best to meet each book that we narrate and, and really work with that author and her words and her world. And that should change you as a performer. So you don't, you don't do things the same way every time because the story should change you. That said, we all have a certain tone of voice. We all fall into certain habits. Um, so I kind of expected, I thought I knew what I was going to get with everybody and they all just came out of their shells in a different way. It was really cool. Yeah, it was great. And I think even with Teddy and he does a lot of the, some of the productions of the audiobooks and also some of the sound engineering stuff too. Yeah, he started as an engineer. Yeah, so it's one of those where like he seemed like he felt at home on that, you know, behind the dashboard mm -hmm. kind of thing. But he was really, I was like cracking up on his performance. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Yeah. yeah. As I was watching, I had several of those moments where we're like, oh, I know a listener like that. And I'm, yup, <laughs> you know, and, and nodding and, and also saying, oh, I really hope I'm not that fan. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of um, what I like to call like audiobook listener tropes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> can yeah. you kind of go over some of them and you know what made you include them in your play you know at the risk of sounding annoying could you tell me because I know what I wrote but I don't know oh. what people I don't know what people get ah. from it I don't know what people pick up on so um maybe if it's not annoying maybe you tell me it's not annoying <laughs> I have a list <laughs> okay great um yeah go for it so, so one of them was the, the the listener that was so like in love with the voice yeah. and you want to know more about the voice. So yeah. you start a Googling and in some cases you get all the information. Um, but in most cases, and um, you know, I want to say that maybe that's one of the more top, you know, well-liked in the city, you know, as far as, you know, popular or well-liked narrators, a lot of that info you cannot find. Right. <laughs> yeah. so, so even anything from like a Sebastian York who is I mean there's no information on the, no websites no nothing there he has no um webs you know web um trail you know but then you also have some of the other ones that just don't have a website so that character of trying to find in her reaction of like there's not even a website yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I mean if you, you think about Sebastian York I mean he's he knows who he is. He knows his standing. He, he knows he loves his privacy and he's 
getting all the work that he needs. So it's not like he needs to promote himself. Um, but then you have other male narrators who get a, are in the very similar boat to him, mm -hmm. but get a lot of joy from interacting with, um, with listeners. So I think it's just a personal thing, but I did want to dive into what it would be like. Now I, I know Sebastian York and have worked with him. Um, mm -hmm. I just want to put it out there. He is nothing like Atticus. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I thought about inviting him to the reading and I was like, hmm, maybe I'll wait till I do another draft. Cause he's definitely going to pick up on that. I'm, I'm messing around with his, um, persona a little bit. Um, and maybe I, Andy, Andy was like, maybe we should invite him. Let's see what he thinks. I'm like, oh. um, so I think I will invite him eventually. Um, but just to make it clear, this is all my imagination. Um, yeah. He's not like that at all. No, no, he's not. Um, but even like a Joe Arden who is on a social media platform in this case, Twitter, but yeah. he's still very private about, you know, you, there's no photos or stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, so there's even that perspective. But I know that from my end, when it comes down to doing a podcast or when I was, you know, when I'm still doing the, the series that occurs in June, trying to get some of your contact information mm -hmm. um, was really hard because some of you guys don't have a website, you know, and it's like, how do I, how, how do I reach you? Um, so I was thinking from that perspective, not so much the whole Googling to see if he's as hot as he sounds. Right. <laughs> Well, I mean, can you imagine from, it, it's interesting in this industry because this is me and a, a bunch of female narrators, we talk about this a bunch. We want to embrace the fact that this is, this is a world where it doesn't matter for the first time as a woman, what we look like. None of you care what we look like. <laughs> and um, it's kind of great. Um, for the guys, it's kind of like the reverse sexism, but in a positive way. Mm -hmm even though it might get out of control and feel uncomfortable for them sometimes, but um, they have this sex symbol thing going for them um, simply by how they sound in your ears. So some of them, and these, these are all wonderful, beautiful looking men, but they're some of they're smart to, they want to keep that up. I think um, why should they show you their picture? If, um, everyone's in such a tizzy and excited about <laughs> imagining them. How can you ever compare to what's in your brains? Yeah. What they could possibly be. Exactly. And then when we're listening to the books, we have, um, I'm going to use Joe as the example. And in one book, he is tall, dark, and handsome. And the other book, he's like a surfer dude. And the other book, he's the billionaire that we're still trying to figure out how he made his billions, but it doesn't matter because he still has a billion. Um, <laughs> so we can kind of envision what we want per what it's being described in the book. If we kind of knew, it might be harder for some people to kind of see them. As yeah. You know, yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Another trope that you have included in, um, and you kind of touched on a little bit, the, the cockiness that um, Atticus has. Yeah. It, it really is about, I am the best, you know, male narrator. And there's other little things here and there. The perception of, because he's a guy, and yes. you have all these females that are going literally goo goo gaga, over yeah. the way they sound. We also yeah. tend to seem to have this false thinking that maybe they're conceited or maybe they do think that they're, you know, full of themselves to some extent. Like, how could you not after a while, you know? Um, yeah. But the ones that I've met, they're nowhere near that, you know? It's just, uh, yeah. so I think it's, you yeah. know, for those of us that get the, you know, I'm, I feel very lucky to have been able to get to know all these guys from this perspective. Yeah. Um, but I think it's something that a lot of people might think. And at the same time, if not us as a listener, perhaps our significant other. Um, <laughs> you know. no, it was, that's definitely an exaggeration on my part. I think what I'm exploring in the play a bit is, um, and I hope this comes out the right way. When in romance audio, because people fall in love and get sometimes turned on by the sound of this man's voice. In some cases, very little is required of them beyond that. Um, and now most of these guys that get enormous amount of work and people love are wonderful performers and that's why their careers keep growing. So they've got the sexy sound and then on top of that, they know what to do with it and they know how to tell a story. 
Um, but in some cases, the sexy quality is enough for people. When it comes to being a, a female narrator, I just think a lot more is required of us um, and expected of us for you to get on board and want to listen to us because you're not for the most part turned on by us you're not um it's so like super intrigued by us um so i think we have to we have to kind of rise to a, a certain level um of storytelling and uh skill to keep going does that does that make sense? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, you yeah. know, we tend to be really harsh and hard on our heroines, whether you read the book or you're listening to it. And it, it's just, you know, the guy can literally do whatever the hell he wants. And we're, the, the reader, listeners, you know, again, going Gaga -ga, and he can do no wrong. But heaven forbid she does something, you know, right. that makes complete sense as to the why she would be upset. I feel like maybe one day we can do a whole um, like female round table discussion on this or something, because it's a big, it's, it's on female uh, narrators minds a lot. Um, mm -hmm. Like you'll see a lot of times, even though we get, we, we're not looking for more love or anything. We, we feel the love and it's not your job to give it to us, but um, you'll see a lot of times over and over and over again, female listeners being like, I don't care who the female narrator is. All I want to do is buy it for this guy. I don't care who wrote it. I don't care who, like, it's all about him. And we're tagged on these things. So we, <laughs> we see all this stuff. It's like, oh yeah, I don't care about her over and over and over again. And we're like, man, we put a lot of work into this friends. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're often the ones producing this and we're often the ones um, chasing after the male narrators to, you know, it's just. Um, Get her done. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just a certain level of feminism that I am. Um, I just wonder about sometimes how we can all lift our fellow women up um, as much as we put men on these pedestals. And, and, and I don't want to take away anyone's fun because it's so fun to um, adore these guys. Um, but it's, it's a tricky thing for us sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine putting all that work into it and then getting the review that says, yeah, you know, Aaron was okay, and but oh my god, you know, yeah. ah, you know, it's like part of the fantasy. That's part of the fun. Yeah. So um, none of us are complaining, but it is. I think that's why I wanted to write about it because it's a it's a tricky place to be. No, I, I have seen as of late. There's been a lot of, especially on Twitter, where there's been a, a couple of the listeners that are, would say, "Yeah, we love our boys, we love our men, but oh my god, have you listened to like Aaron yeah. Allen?" You know. <laughs> Yeah, that is, that is nice. That is nice. Well, cause I mean, I want a female president someday. Yeah. And I feel like until, until we, we respect and admire ourselves as mm -hmm. much as the men around us who are very worthy of that, we're never going to make the kind of progress. We got to start small and um, care about each other and hold women to the same standard that you hold men or hold men to a slightly higher one than we, wow, I'm going for it. I'm going to stop. Yeah. That. <laughs> You're funny. You know, I think that we need to hold each other as females also and give credit where credit is due. Yeah. You know, and um, it, it starts with, you know, helping our fellow sisters and, and ourselves not being so harsh on our own stuff, but also yeah. raving about. At the very know, least, not, um, not erasing the woman's um, contribution to the project. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and if you're going to do that, don't tag her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah there's a whole lot of like, let me just start having like <laughs> etiquette classes. Um, yeah. Not just for the fork and to figure out if this is a spoon for dessert or soup, but also <laughs> Twitter and how to not to tag <laughs> authors and or narrators when you, um, you know, decide to omit, uh, you know, participation. And, uh, yeah. and credit and all that fun stuff. So yeah, it's uh, definitely yeah. a lot. <laughs> Recently, um, a fellow um, lady narrator tagged, she didn't tag me, she sent me a screenshot of something and someone had posted something that said, said it showed the picture of the book that had just gotten released. And there was, a, I think there was five or six narrators on it and I was one of them. And uh, 
the person said, well, I'm spending my weekend with, and um, said the male <clears throat> narrators that were in the book um, and left us off it. And so my friend sends me the picture and she goes, do you think she's gonna skip yours and Andy's parts? And I was like, I, I guess she is, because she's only spending the weekend with them. <laughs> so, it was it's funny, we laugh about it. And they have a sense of humor, you know? Oh yeah. And also helps that the guys are really good. Um, they're also great supporters of, of you know, their female peers and stuff yes, as yes. well. Yes, they're all great buddies. Yeah, yeah they're awesome. Awesome. but it's definitely a trope you know, from a, you know, from a listener. And then another trope that I know that you mentioned there was the, how woman gets a bad rap as it not being taken serious. It's, you know, it's, yeah. you know, like they, they call it, you know, it's, it's, you know, porn for women, you know, or, you know, smut writing. Mm -hmm. And there's one line there where like, oh, yeah, I thought I'd be narrating, you know, more substance or something like that. And I'm like, oh, I know someone like that. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, be grateful for the job that you have, but you know, well, be grateful for the job you have. And also, um, just people have a big misunderstanding mm -hmm. about what romance is. I, I don't know what first, I don't know if it was the books back in the eighties with Fabio on the covers Probably. all the time, something that made people laugh it off. Um, and, and yet I, I, think almost everyone on the planet has experienced some kind of love story even if it wasn't a successful one there was a yearning in them or there was a desire or there was a crush um a relationship and we all yearn for love in different ways and that's very serious um and beautiful and worthy and um somehow writing about it people it's i, I just think it's absurd and silly that you would write it off like that. Um, but even like my mom who knows what I do, she, she'll say to me things like, Oh, so are you doing a bodice ripper today? I'm like a bodice ripper. No. <laughs> like, and I feel like this is an amazing romantic comedy that I'm so thrilled to be doing. It's so funny. And the writer's so good. Um, it's not about the tearing off of someone's chest and showing their boobs on a cover with Fabio. It's like, <laughs> it's so much deeper and richer than that. Um, so I'm, I'm honored and thrilled every day I get to do this. Um, I feel so, so lucky and, um, and like inspired and present to these stories that I meant what I said in the play that it's an honor to get to tell stories every day about people falling in love and looking for connection. That's a beautiful, unworthy way to spend your time. It is. And it's just one of those where it's not just in, in the, the book world, because even if you look at movies, when it comes down to a rom-com or a romance, they're not getting the accolades. They're not getting the Oscar noms. They're not getting all this other stuff. It's just one of those, oh, yeah, it's a chick flick. Yes. Yes. So um, it, it's well, you know, kind of difficult from that perspective. That could open up a whole thing that I won't get into, but... <laughs> Just the tip of the iceberg. I think a lot of times people see men's stories as universal. And if a woman happens to be the protagonist, that's only for women. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a shame because we women can enjoy for, I mean, we've done it our whole lives, watch movies where they're primarily focusing on the journey of a man. Um, and we recognize it as human. Um, but as soon as it's a story about a girl or about a woman, a lot of people assume it's not for men. It's only for, you know, half of the population, Yeah, which I would like to see. Thing. So that might have part, that might be part of the whole romance thing too, that people dismiss easily assume it's not for them that's why you know there's not that many um male listeners that participate heavily in these groups but the ones that do they're just such a joy to talk to yeah um, there's there's a new group um a guy named trevor um i don't know if you've seen it yet he has um i wish i could remember the exact name of the group but it's something like what men can learn from romance novels wow it's a new um <laughs> group yeah. And he sent me um, the link just to check out before he kind of kept going with it. And it's lovely. He basically does, he, he put out a video that said, 
this has really helped me with my marriage and understanding my wife and opening our communication. And I would love to see other men listening to these books as well. So he gives like a review. Um, he reviews the narration, the writing, um, and then he gives bullet points on what he took away from it, what he kind of learned and is thinking about now about the female perspective. Um, it's really beautiful. That is, I'm still going to look him up um, and look into that group. That is, that's great. Yeah. That's, but then again, that's also another trope that you kind of brought into your play was the couple who, mm -hmm. you know, la a lack of communication. Yeah. You know, they've been married for a while. They have a kid. Yeah. Um, I still laughed when it's like, it's Friday. <laughs> <laughs> no. And you're going, yeah, I know it's Friday. And they're like, no, no, it's Friday. <laughs> and they're like, oh, that day we do that thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, that's God, that's married life. We're on a schedule. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just one of those, again, it goes back into, it's, you know, lack of communication because we don't think that we're going to be taken serious or, or it's in our heads. Maybe I'm just imagining it. And, yeah. you know, because this is fiction. So, and then when the, to be able to kind of like, like when we know what Trevor's doing, where he's getting some footnotes or clip notes, you know, cliff notes. Yeah. Or, you know, th that conversation piece. Cause I know I've said it, there's been times where I wanted to like highlight, you know, a scene or two and I, and just pass it over and just say, um, read it, memorize it later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll both thank me for this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And in yeah. some cases it, it, you know, okay. I'll, I'm not gonna lie. In most cases it's the, the, the hot sexy stuff, uh -huh. but in other cases it's been like, he did the dishes without being asked. Okay. You know, or, or, or he, you know, he, you know, remembered that, you know, her favorite things are daisies, you know, right. just those little things that sometimes we forget Yeah. when we've been in a relationship for a, a long time and that's even with ourselves, you know, like oh, self-discovery sure. of, of ourselves, which we do while listening to these stories, yeah. you know, not realizing that we like this or that or you know that we don't want to be as vanilla you know we want to be a little bit of a swirl um <laughs> well and i think the longer you're in a relationship with someone if you're not careful mm -hmm. the harder it can be to let new energy come into your relationship and to try new things and to let yourself open up to new things because you you almost memorize how you are together mm -hmm. and and you can get shy you can get shy like you've known me for 10 years and suddenly I'm asking you to do this or to explore this. Mm -hmm. It's, um, it's a vulnerable thing to do. Cause they're gonna be like, well, who the hell are you suddenly? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to just live and change and grow. And, um, and that takes a lot of vulnerability, I think, to, um, to bring to your partner. So I was trying to explore that too. Yeah. What's, you know, we, we, we see a, a recipe on, on, on a tasty or, you know, on the food network and, and no one has a problem saying, Hey, you want to try the steaks this way tomorrow? You know? <laughs> right. um, and, and it's something that you've never tried before. You've never, you thought you didn't like, but you're like, well, maybe because they sauteed it, I'll like the mushrooms this time for an example. But when <laughs> it comes down to the topic of sex and that intimacy, yeah, we're really shy. You know, we, it, part of it is because, you know, what will they think if we want to have the dirty talk, for an example, or I don't want them to think that I'm not happy with what we're yeah. doing. Right. Um, and because that's an honest fear um, mm -hmm. with everything. And so it's just one of those things where these novels and these audiobooks can help get yeah. us out of our, our comfort zone. And even if it is just a matter of highlighting or, you know, grabbing a clip and saying, read it, listen, memorize it tonight. Um, it's, you're still sharing, you're still having that open dialogue to some extent. So it's yeah. really cool. I love that you included that because I was like, oh my God, schedule. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it was so funny. And then again, seeing it, you know, in this case, it was Shane's character seeing it. Well, how he was like, you know, it's Friday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You definitely have to watch it, I guess, to understand why I'm so like, oh my God, that was so awesome. Oh, thank you. But, but yeah, it was great. So are you, um, I know that you kind of mentioned that you're looking into um, writing a little bit more, making it into a series. Yeah. Um, how, you know, what are you thinking 
to get it there? Like, are you thinking of just like just more rewrites or is it just expanding the, the world that you've created or how does that work? Well, um, I'm wanting to adapt it for um, TV. So, well, first of all, so I want, I want to put out an audio version of it kind of as is. Um, so I'm working, I'm talking to Audible about that now, trying to make that happen. Um, but on top of that, I have um, a buddy, a playwright friend who has a lot more experience in film and TV than I do. And so we had a meeting last last week to talk about what it would take to adapt it and write a 30-minute TV pilot um, and then all the potential um, episodes that would come after. And it's pretty, pretty endless. Um, mm-hmm. There's so many different aspects of narration and the world and the listeners and the award ceremonies and the the equipment and the vocal health like there's so many different opportunities for episodes so um we're meeting again on wednesday to talk more about that and um we're gonna pitch it to some people that we know in la and see what we can make happen that's so, so exciting yeah so we'll see awesome. I am so happy for you. And, um, and thank you for sharing that with us. Definitely. Obviously the time right now, we definitely need more laughs, but that's like your baby. So thank you for sharing oh, it with us. Of course. You know. Thank you all for listening and being so open to it. It was, it was fun. Yeah. It, it's definitely like the whole behind the scenes thing, you know, <laughs> that's why we're like, we're going to keep the bloopers. You just, yeah. yeah. It's all behind the scenes. Yeah. Well, it's just those little things sometimes. Like, that's why I ask when I interview you guys, if you keep your blooper reels, because when we get the end results, you're the, the vixen and, you know, or, you know, you're the heroine and, and Joe is the, the hero and the alpha. But the fact that you guys stop, you know, stutter over a word, um, <laughs> you, oh. know, you know, or the joke that you're, you know, because it's a funny moment and you just can't keep your shit together. Um, yeah. It's just one of those like, oh my God, you're a real person. <laughs> I think we forget sometimes that that would be funny to people because it's just, it just happens all the time and we just go back and record over it. But um, maybe I'll, I'll do better about sharing some of that stuff because it, it happens. Believe me. Yeah. Um, but it's also <laughs> a vulnerability for you guys too, because you're putting it out there, you know? Yeah. yeah. One of my friends um, narrator said to me, one day, if, if I'm ready to burn my career to the ground, I'll post all the clips of me burping during sex. <laughs> <laughs> because you do, you get filled with air and there's, um, there's so much happening. And then you'll like say something sexy and then burp. Um, <laughs> I, I thought of it once. I'm like, should I share this? I'm like, no, let's keep this beautiful author's work classy and not have anyone remember there was a burp because the burp is gone now. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah maybe I'll, I'll get brave and see what I can share. Cause I'm sure I'll do something weird soon. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was one time someone was narrating and their cat was scratching at the door. Oh, that happened. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I post from time to time, my kids busting into my booth. Mm-hmm. Um, and cause they terrify me. Like I, I'll, I think that I've had the, the, the door locked and then clearly I don't. And one of them comes in and, I'll be in the middle of something like super sexy. And then I'm suddenly I'm like, ah, um, and it's, it's scary. And then you hear a little voice going, mommy can I have a fruit snack or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so I share those from time to time. Yeah. But it, well, at least they weren't asking you what mommy was doing. Yeah. In the scene. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> mommy, what were you sticking where? Um. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, that's but again, it's just this fun moments where I'm going, ah, we don't think about it. You know, you guys with kids or the dog or, yeah. um, what was it? Today? Oh God, for the last two days. Um, and it's been on the weekdays, um, lawn guy. Which, oh, oh, don't even get me started on that. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, weren't you just here on Friday? Um, and I'm like, oh, this is what it feels like. <laughs> The fall time is just, especially for people that live in the Northeast, it is just, mm-hmm. it's, it's a cruel, cruel time to be here. <laughs> yeah. It is bad. And um, I just wasn't even recording. So I can only imagine, I was just frustrated that it was, I was hearing the noise. Oh man. Know, as I was trying to work and, you know, I, I was listening to an audiobook that I'm proofing, but it's still, I'm going, oh, so this, this is the aggravation that they're all talking about. 
I had, um, right before Christmas, I was just about to take a break and I was determined this year, I was going to take a solid Christmas break because last year I didn't. And, um, I'm, I'm on a deadline. This book is due tomorrow and I've, you know, only halfway through and, um, all of a sudden I hear chainsaws and my next door neighbor had gotten some ordinance from the township that she needed to cut down all of her trees in the backyard because they were, they were rotting or something and it was dangerous and they were eventually going to cause damage. So all of her trees had to come down over two days. It was just endless chainsaws. And I was just like, well, I, the book is going to be late. It it was sad. It was not a Christmas miracle. It was very (laughs) sad. Um, But stuff like that happens and you have to, um, I'm learning now how to build in, cushions for Mm -hmm. the inevitable things that happen yeah life stuff and yeah you just gotta there's nothing you can do let it go usually towards the end of the uh, podcast episodes i'd like to play a game with my guests okay and and it's called like would you rather so i have a couple of them um i love these because it kind of gives me a little bit of insight as to you know you um as a person and 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 also i like putting you guys in the spot sometimes um (laughs) so i have a couple of questions for you ready yes okay would you rather always be 10 minutes late or always be 20 minutes early? Early, 100%. I mean, if I'm that early, I'd probably like walk around the block and not let you know I'm that early, but I would feel better about life if I was that early. Would you rather be able to teleport anywhere or be able to read minds? I think teleport. I don't think I want to read people's minds because I, you, you think sometimes about weird things that have slipped through your own mind that you actually don't mean. Like, it's just some weirdo, creepy thought. You're like, thank God that no one knows this is happening right now. Um, And so I wouldn't want to hear anybody else's. Teleporting would be helpful. So here's a book question. Would you rather burn all your books or buy a Kindle or an e-book reader? Well, I have my... Wait, would I rather burn my books... Or buy a Kindle e-reader, you know, or e-reader, not a Kindle. I was like, oh, it even hurt to ask it. <laughs> well, no, yeah, no, I have, I have my iPad with my Kindle on it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't need to burn my books, do I? No, I don't. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I saw that question. I'm like, oh, yeah. But I think I'm going to have to rejuice it a little bit to kind of make it more tough for you guys, you know, for us readers and listeners to, yes. to really have to choose between the two. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Would you rather live a low life with your loved ones or a rich life all alone? Yeah, the first. What if I said the second? Wouldn't you think I was an awful person? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, definitely yeah. first. But I believe you can have both. Would you rather tell everyone your guilty pleasures or never partake in any of your guilty pleasures ever again? I guess tell people. Yeah. I mean, I grew up, I grew up pretty repressed, so <laughs> I'm not interested in continuing that. So, <laughs> Got it. <laughs> yeah. Would you rather never have to clean a bathroom ever again or never do dishes? Never have to clean a bathroom. I do. I do a lot of dishes and I actually don't mind it. I, I feel like it's kind of brainstorming time. Um, I like it. It's, I find it kind of peaceful. I could do a little less, but you know, <laughs> I don't mind it. Yeah. It's funny. It's been a, like a general consensus when it comes down to that one too. Um, that and the, the, the reading of the mind thing. But yeah. um, people tend to be like, and they use that as time to, you know, think about things or come up with other stuff just to relax. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Figure out other ways to relax instead of doing just the dishes. But between these two, I much rather do the dishes. <laughs> oh. yeah. All right. Last one. Ready? Yes. Okay. Would you rather have a personal chef or a personal masseuse? Masseuse. <laughs> yeah, 100% masseuse. Um, but I think I'm kind of privileged in that my husband is the cook um, and he's really good and likes to do it. So I wouldn't say I have a personal chef, but I have a very competent cook in the house. <laughs> so now I have massages. Yeah. And then I'll be all set. Well, before we go, can you um, share with us what you're currently working on and what's coming up next for you? Yes. Uh, narration wise, you mean? Yeah. And play whatever you, whatever you want to share. Um, I'm having a, an interesting month. Um, 
certainly still my share of romance, but I did a, a nonfiction book um, two weeks ago about how to parent teenagers. So that was wild and different. And I'm doing a memoir right now, um, which is really beautifully written um, about a woman who discovers after she's married to her husband and has a, a child that she needs to explore dating women. And she never knew um, that was part of her. Um, and it's a really beautiful story. So that, that's been cool. So that's what's up next. Cool. Thank you so much, Erin, for um, you know, taking the time to chat with us today. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. It's been so fun. Thank you. If you're not following Erin on social media, you should. I'll let you give you the links so you guys can um, don't have to go hunting for them. So they'll be within the or below. And you can find links within the description and at Viviana Enchantress of Books. Sweet. Thank you. You're welcome. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Audiobook Loving Podcast. Make sure to follow us on our social media platforms. Subscribe to the Viviana Enchantress of Books newsletter. And don't forget to submit your this or that questions for our next chat with Shane, which is coming up soon. So again, thank you, everybody. Until next time, happy listening. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Loving Podcast, hosted by Viviana Enchantress of Books. For links and more info about today's episode or the Audiobook Loving series, visit VivianaEnchantressOfBooks.com. Please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to the podcast if you enjoyed today's episode. Until next time, happy listening.